Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season. Support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high-quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now. It also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe, touching literally millions of souls via the World Wide Web. Our highly rated free Discerning Hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding YouTube channel. We've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, An Exploration of Faith with Archbishop George Lucas Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that face past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. Always great to be with you. It's been quite an experience for us traveling. Not only have we gone through Lent, but the experience of the Easter joy, the hallelujahs that we've been able to proclaim, and the glorias, and so many other things, then to come upon the experience, which is relatively new in the life of the church, but for many of us has been a part of our spiritual life for maybe a couple decades now, that of experiencing the joy of divine mercy. Yeah, divine mercy is not new in the life of the church. That was there from the beginning to celebrate this Sunday dedicated to divine mercy, the Sunday right after Easter. That's relatively new on our liturgical calendar. But it makes perfect sense that when we ask perhaps what difference did the resurrection of Jesus make in the lives of the first disciples, what difference does it make in your life or in mine? The answer is that we now are offered eternal life with our sins forgiven. And the death, which is the sentence you know, resulting from sin and the, the gap that existed because of sin between ourselves and God that has been healed by the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What the first disciples must have had on their minds in those days, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus would have been their own sinfulness, their own shortcomings, their inability or lack of understanding, whether they couldn't understand before or just were not paying attention. And then their betrayal of Jesus or their running away from him at the time of his crucifixion. That must have been a terrible burden for them, as the burden of sin is for all of us when we focus on it realistically. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus were all about sharing the peace, the joy of of that truth, and the mercy of God with them. 
it was an opportunity to take their attention off of themselves and off of their weakness and put it on the power of the risen Jesus. That's the invitation that's given to us at this Feast of Divine Mercy, and it's perfectly connected to the celebration of the resurrection. Your goal as a bishop has been to proclaim grace and mercy. That was part of what you chose right from the very beginning of this part of your life. It's to make that very apparent to people. Yeah, I mean, that's how we're going to survive in the end, by God's grace. And then when we have refused the grace, I really, the, the second grace, which is what mercy is, the forgiveness, God looking on us in our weakness, in our deliberate, selfish choices, deliberate, hurtful choices, and offering us not what we deserve, but what he desires for us, uh, a fuller experience of, of life in him. What do you suppose Pope St. John Paul II had in mind or deep within his heart to make this celebration, this great joyful proclamation of the divine mercy, part of what he felt that the universal church needed to experience? He would have put it more elegantly than this, but I would say the world is a mess. And because we're all sitting in the middle of the mess, there's a lot of reasons to be discouraged and get to focus on our own weakness, our shortcomings, and on the weaknesses and the shortcomings of others, too, to try to settle everything, settle scores, you know, in this world with worldly, often selfish or dominating methods, you know. And that's an awful position to be in, and there's a remedy for it. And the remedy is a personal gift of our Heavenly Father, of His Son, Jesus Christ. So I know it was the case for for John Paul, and it's uh, what he hopes that we can experience as well, that we look up that we turn our attention from our own sinfulness, from the trouble that we're in, and we look to Jesus and receive hope, love, receive mercy. It's not a denial of our own sins or of the mess we've made of things. It is an understanding of of God's design for us, who he loves as as his daughters and, and sons, that we not die in this mess, that we not die in our sins, but that we have life in our Savior, Jesus Christ. This feast comes just one week after Easter, a time of an outpouring of tremendous grace. And it is a call by many who will practice a devotion to the divine mercy to once again go to the sacrament of uh, reconciliation. That's an important sacrament of mercy, isn't it? It is. And of course, many, many people, I know this archdiocese because I've seen it, have celebrated that sacrament all through the season of Lent you know, in preparation for Easter, so that this is another opportunity. And really, we have opportunities all year long. But there's a a particular invitation as part of the celebration of of this feast. And back to what I said earlier, you know, we're we're in the Easter season, fully in it. And the question is, well, what difference does that make to me? Well, it makes all the difference because it's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus that my sins can be forgiven. And it's important for me to know that. And as I said, I I think that's why St. John Paul held up this devotion and establish this feast so close after Easter so that, that we don't, in a sense, miss the practical point of our proclamation of, of the resurrection of Jesus, that this means this means forgiveness and life for you and me if we'll take it. And it's not hard to take. There's no way we can make up for our sins. We try to change our ways because it's, it's good that we do. We want to express an even deeper love for God once we realize that we've offended God and others in our sins. But the power to heal that, the damage of sin, to heal those relationships, to heal my life, in the end, that belongs to God alone. 
and God gives it so freely, which is the joy of, of this feast, just to think of mercy coming at us in the, this great torrent of, of love, and no matter where we are on the map, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, no matter how serious our sin, forgiveness is always available. Again, it's, it's particularly important in our time where the evidence of the influence, you could say, of the devil is fairly open and invisible. The devil's work is to tempt us to sin, deny the sovereignty of God, and to take part of that sovereignty, at least on our on, for ourselves, you know, to decide what's right or what, we, what we'll do without reference to God's authority, God's sovereignty. So that's the first work of the devil, you might say. The second work of the devil is to try to convince us that now we've offended God, God's mad at us, or that there's no hope for us, or that I've sinned now for the thousandth time, and I, finally I've used up the mercy of God, and now I'm sunk. You know, there's just there's nothing else. That's a lie from the father of lies. The Feast of Divine Mercy is the truth that God looks on us with great compassion, and his response to our sinfulness is the gift of his only son, who has laid down his life on the cross and is now risen from the dead to make forgiveness and life available to us, possible for us. For many who will experience, again, from the message of this particular Sunday, that the universal church throughout the world is celebrating the, the Feast of Divine Mercy, they will maybe hear of an image, the, or they'll see it in their local parishes, of Christ with rays of white and red flowing from his side, as well as a message at the very bottom that says, Jesus, I trust in you. That's something that we really have to grow in, isn't it? Just to trust in Jesus. That's the challenge. Again, it's the counter to the devil's lie to us that you, that you really can't trust Jesus. Either he's not who he says he is, or his mercy is for a lot of people, but it's not for you. Or he used to have mercy for you, but it's run out now. You, you've used it all, all up. That image that you describe has, has become popular. It's in many of our churches. Many people have, have it in their homes. And, you know, we have many images of Jesus. But as you say, the, the saying at the bottom of the image is a prayer that we should try to say as wholeheartedly as we can, because that's the antidote to the devil. If we trust in Jesus as the Son of God and as our Savior, then we will be saved, and no matter what our sins. As I say, we try to say that as wholeheartedly as we can, and we can grow in that desire for, for the Lord's mercy. It doesn't mean we'll never fail again, sadly. But the saying isn't, I trust in myself, because I can to a certain extent, but, I'm, but I know I'm weak, but I trust in Jesus, and my trust in him is not in vain. So if I continue to turn to him, continue to voice my trust in him, try to place my life there before him in trust, that if I put my life in his hands, I'm just right where I need to be, that my life is full, I will live forever. That's that invitation. That's all contained in that prayer, Jesus, I trust in you. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. The Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father. Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, 
receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. That message of mercy, that image that was conveyed to St. Faustina Koloska, who St. John Paul helped to investigate and bring forward when he was cardinal, that she lived at a time just before one of the most cataclysmic periods in Poland-Lithuanian history. Uh, it was the time of right before World War II and then the other times of great suffering that the world would incur. And yet here is that message of trust. The thing is, we'll hear that message even in those times of our own personal sufferings that are maybe our confusion on why why are certain things happening. And it's important for us to turn to that, isn't it? Yeah, when, when difficult things are happening, or, you know, life is happening. Life in this world is limited and, and broken in some ways by original sin. There is the temptation always from the evil one to think, well, you know, the, the Lord's not here, at, or he's lost interest in you, or, or, you know, there's no favor for you. That is a lie, but it's it's tempting. It's tempting to, to believe it. A message like St. Faustina has um, proclaimed so beautifully, and people have caught on to it because it's true and because we need it in the world we're living in. It's a different, little different world from Earth, but it's, a, it's still broken. Many people are suffering in, in so many ways. So it's important for that message to be proclaimed and for more and more people to hear it and to have the chance to trust that this doesn't all depend on me, even on my good days, but especially, thankfully, doesn't depend on me on my bad days. It depends on, on Jesus. And he's the one who will mediate mercy to everyone who receive it. He's mediating it now, you know, even before we receive it. It's a question that, that kind of occurred to us, perhaps, when I've been sinning, what was Jesus doing? And... I think our faith tells us very clearly, well, he didn't just wash his hands at me and go away and do something else. He's been right there, close to me. He's given his life for me. He wants nothing more. 
then then I turn away from sin and receive mercy and and live. So he's right there. We don't have to go looking for him. He's, he's right there. We make the sacramental experience of the forgiveness of Jesus available in our parishes all year long, as I said. It's available at, at special moments during Lent and, and now for the Feast of, of Divine Mercy. Yet it really is the work of the church to make that, to proclaim this message and to make that mercy available so that we continue to have more confidence in Jesus than we have in ourselves and certainly than we have in the, the lies of the devil. I would say that that is really key in this missional discipleship, this call to proclamation and to witness to others about this part of the kerygma, the mercy of God, and how that can aid us and assist us, how it's changed our lives, and how it can change the lives of those who are suffering, and whether it's a physical or in just the emotional pain of what they're dealing with in the world today. Yeah, proclaiming the gospel is proclaiming good news. Well, what's so good about it? Well, what's so good about it is that right here in our brokenness, so we're feeling the effects of sin, burdened by it, really. So maybe these are sins I've committed. Maybe other people have hurt me. It's also the experience of being born into fallen humanity. So there is this experience of of brokenness. So what's the news? Well, too bad. Or, you know, you brought this on yourself, so you're just, you're stuck with it. Uh, No. The good news is God looks on us in our pain, in our brokenness, in our hurt, and gives us this eternal remedy, this eternal gift of healing in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't give us a formula for how to get better. He doesn't give us a set of rules or a checklist of things that we have to do, and then we'll be healed. We're invited to meet Jesus, to come to know him, and then as St. Faustina did, to put our trust in him as the Son of God. And this is the powerful Son of God who brought healing to people during his public ministry, who's overcome the power of death, and he wants to apply that power, that healing to you and to me in the way that he sees will bring the best benefit to us. So there may be a kind of healing or a gift from Jesus that I want to ask for, which I he loves to re- hear those requests. He's not going to deny us what's necessary for our eternal healing and, and salvation. So that's the good news. What other news is better than that? And I you know, don't say that lightly. It's the unique thing that as followers of Jesus Christ, we can bring to the world in which we're living. It's, it's been unique in every age, but now in our time where there's so much misunderstanding about what it really means to be a human person, so, so many lies being told to people about their worth, what we have to do to be worthy, make ourselves worthy, whatever it might be in terms of physical attributes or intelligence or charm or you know, whatever it might be. And we all fall short. You know, that's just all built for frustration. And that's not the good news. It's not the, the invitation to life and, and healing in Jesus Christ. Almost a shame to share this, but I feel like I should in that I've been forgiven. I've experienced God's mercy so tremendously in my life, but I have failed, Archbishop, to give that type of mercy to others particularly those, my brothers and sisters, who are in the Roman Catholic Church, who, the way I've even spoken about them, how I've maybe fostered division, and because of whatever that might be. We really are called, aren't we, once we receive that divine mercy, to be able to hopefully share that equally with others? Sure, it's part of the the Lord's Prayer that that Jesus taught us. We we say it so often as a reminder that these two things go together. The Lord doesn't put a condition on his mercy, but he asks something of us once we received it. So you described your situation beautifully. You started out by talking about how you have received 
the mercy of, of the Lord. There's nothing like it. And so for any of us to have that experience, particularly if we feel far from him or that are really just aware that we've done something or maybe it's a pattern of behavior that's seriously harmful to us or, or to others, to be able to experience the mercy of God in, in Jesus Christ is, is a tremendous gift and it has a healing power to it. It has many just beautiful, beautiful aspects. So how can I return anything to the Lord, you know, for his being so good to me? Well, since you ask, <laughs> he tells us, look around. There's probably somebody close to you who has aggravated you, offended you, hurt you, who could use your forgiveness. Ooh, it's hard. It's hard to do. And it's a reminder to us of what a precious gift forgiveness is. You know, it's, So it's not hard for Jesus to forgive us, but it's a big deal that he does. And how do I know that? Well, because I know how hard it is for me to sometimes to forgive others and how often I fall short in that, how judgmental I can, can be. Or the Lord gives us this, this very powerful, it's kind of a frightening story in the, in the gospel about the man who was forgiven his debt. And then he turned right around and had a somebody who had, was in his debt, not very much, thrown in prison. You know, and we almost all sit up straight when, when we hear that, I think. First of all, we think, what, the, what a terrible thing to do. And then, wow, could you, you know, could I think that I could possibly be guilty of something like that? Well, I think maybe, yes. So it's part of the economy of our life in, in the church, part of the exchange of gifts that the, the Lord gives his mercy to us so freely. Part of the healing that we experience now is the ability to forgive others, not because they deserve it, but because it's good for us to do. It's how we're like, how we live and, and act like the Lord. But yeah, it's part of the challenge of growing as, as a disciple is to, to share forgiveness with, with each other. So it's a challenge maybe we could issue as we, we celebrate the Feast of, of Divine Mercy. Give a little of what we've received so generously from the Lord and give it where it where it hurts, where, where it's a challenge with the, the understanding of this. I'm not giving somebody something that they've earned from me. I'm giving something that Jesus has given me. I'm giving it, and I'm now giving it away, and I can't, I'll never give it all away. There's always more, always more coming. That's such an important message. Any final thoughts on this reflection on divine mercy? Open yourselves to it. I, again, I preach to myself first. We're really selling ourselves short if we don't accept the mercy of the Lord. If, you know, if we believe it's a kind of a two-sided lie of the devil, if I believe either that, that I don't need mercy, that I don't have any sin or it's not important, or if I somehow believe that there isn't any for me, isn't available for me, that none of that's true. So the, the invitation of this feast to say, acknowledge our sins, because there we see where the mercy needs to be applied. And then we get out of the way and let the Lord apply his mercy there. We've sinned in practical ways. We need to be forgiven in those spots where we've sinned. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop Lucas. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.